I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. On this episode of Newt's World, when a drug-addled Hunter Biden abandoned his waterlogged computer at a Mac repair shop in Delaware in the spring of 2019, just six days before his father announced his candidacy for the United States presidency, it became the ticking time bomb in the shadows of Joe Biden's campaign. The dirty secrets contained in Hunter's laptop almost derailed his father's presidential campaign and ignited one of the greatest media cover-ups in American history until the story was suppressed by big tech and the left-wing media. Just this week, though, Elon Musk has released new documents that reveal Twitter's role in the suppression of the story. Here to give us the update on everything going on with this story, I'm really pleased to welcome back my guest, Miranda Devine. Her book, Laptop from Hell, Hunter Biden, Big Tech, and the Dirty Secrets the President Tried to Hide was published in November 2021, and she's been tracking this story for the New York Post ever since. Miranda, welcome and thank you for joining me again on Newt's World. Thanks, Newt. Great to be with you. And I understand Laptop from Hell is the number one bestseller in censorship and politics on Amazon this week, which is somehow wonderfully ironic. So congratulations on the book continuing to do well. Thank you. It's gratifying. And I'm glad that a lot of people and increasing numbers of people are actually finding out the truth about Joe Biden and his family's influence peddling scheme, because that's what the book is all about. That's what the Republican investigations are all about coming up in January. It's Joe Biden really not Hunter Biden. It's just that he was so drug addled and so angry with his family that he abandoned his laptop a couple of weeks before Joe Biden announced his candidacy for the White House. And the information on that laptop has been a never-ending source of evidence and sort of corroboration of the other witnesses that have come forward to describe the corruption that Joe Biden was involved in when he was vice president and which really 
is to the detriment of America's national security. You wrote about a great deal of this in your book on Laptop from Hell, Hunter Biden, Big Tech, and the Dirty Secrets the President Tried to Hide. Could you briefly outline just the nature of what was in the laptop and why the laptop is so really extraordinary as something to pop up and become public? The laptop alone is really not enough. It needs to be connected to two other big pieces of the jigsaw puzzle, and those are Tony Bobolinsky, Hunter Biden's former business partner, his testimony, his five-hour interview that he gave to the FBI before the 2020 election about what he knew about Joe Biden's involvement in this scheme and the millions of dollars that came through to Biden family coffers from China and Russia, Ukraine, etc. So that's Tony Bobolinsky. And then the other piece of the jigsaw puzzle is, of course, the excellent and unheralded work by Chuck Grasley and Ron Johnson, the Senate Republicans, in September of 2020 was their first report into Hunter Biden and corruption. They focused initially on the Burisma Grift, that corrupt Ukrainian energy company that was paying Hunter Biden a million dollars a year to sit on its board with zero experience or skills to do so. So they focused on that, but they also found through Treasury Department documents, through so-called suspicious activity reports that banks are required to file with Treasury whenever there is some sort of untoward or suspicious looking amount of money that's coming in from sanctioned people or criminals or oligarchs or the money might be used for sex trafficking or any kind of nefarious purposes. So they're required to flag those suspicious activity reports. That's what they did. There were over 100 for Hunter Biden, Jim Biden, and so on. So those three pieces, and you add to that what's on the laptop, which just buttresses and augments and corroborates what we found in the Johnson-Grasley and the Bobolinsky material. And then there's also something extra on the laptop. It's only a little glimpse But what it shows is that Joe Biden financially benefited from the money Hunter Biden was bringing in from these suspect sources in China and Ukraine and Russia. And it's just a little bit, but it shows that Hunter Biden was paying for some of the upkeep and maintenance on one of Joe Biden's mansions in Delaware. He also was paying for a cell phone. And he also had shared bank accounts with his father, with Joe Biden, that were being managed by a guy called Eric Schwerin, who should be a very interesting target for a subpoena, I think, for the Republicans when they come into power. I'm reminded a little bit of Watergate, where the original break-in could have been contained, and Nixon got talked into cover-up, and the cover-up became the real scandal, not the original break-in. And in a sense, you have you have sort of three parallels here. One is you have this entire system of censorship and suppression. You know, when you all published an article at the New York Post entitled Smoking Gun Email Reveals How Hunter Biden Introduced Ukrainian Businessman to VP Dad. This was October 14th of 2020. Within hours, Twitter suppressed the story. And Facebook. And not only suppressed it, but suppressed it with blocking its transmission by direct message, which is a tool that they used to use only for things like child pornography. So clearly there was a triple scandal here. One scandal is the way in which the social media were methodically censoring and blocking the American people from learning the truth. The second, it seems to me, 
is the degree to which the government was engaged in the censorship and the relationship, how close the relationships were, clearly violating the First Amendment and doing so in a deliberately partisan way that violates everything about how we thought the politics in America should be. And then the third scandal, it seems to me, is the degree to which the Justice Department, instead of methodically trying to figure out where all this foreign money went and what all these foreign sources were, has methodically tried to suppress the entire investigation. It's a little bit like Watergate in that you're seeing the leaks begin to occur in the ship. But what's your take? Yeah, I totally agree with you. The cover-up, just as in Watergate, has ended up being at least as big, if not bigger, than the original story of corruption, which after all is a kind of Washington-wide disease. But what we saw from the cover-up was the big tech titans came out of the shadows and they actually exercised the power that we really weren't aware quite how powerful they were. But It was so important to them before the 2020 election to crush our story that they showed themselves. So it was Facebook first, actually, that censored the post. And in fact, a Democratic operative who worked for Facebook tweeted on Twitter that they were doing that. And very quickly after that, Twitter also took down the story and locked the New York Post's account for more than two weeks until just a couple of days before the election. And we now know because Elon Musk has bought Twitter and believes in free speech, he says. So he's starting to release what he calls the Twitter files, basically the details of this censorship regime that was operating at that company. And we're finding that the censorship of the New York Post was really just one element. Yes, they censored us egregious. And yes, the FBI came to Twitter before the election and pre-bunked our story. Basically, the FBI was having weekly meetings with Twitter and Facebook, Apple, Google, all the big tech companies. And I don't know what they told the others other than we know Mark Zuckerberg said they warned Facebook that there would be a dump of Russian disinformation that fit the pattern of the New York Post story about the Hunter Biden laptop before the 2020 election. But we have even more details from Twitter. We know from Yol Roth, the head of site integrity there, that the FBI in their weekly meetings warned them that in October of 2020, there was likely to be a dump of hacked material relating to Hunter Biden. And the FBI even asked in those meetings, so if that happened, what are you going to do about it? It was as much of a direct threat and an assault on the First Amendment by the federal government as you could ever find. I mean, they will deny this and so on, but we haven't seen any more information about the FBI intervention and election interference from Elon Musk and Twitter. But what we did see in the second round of Twitter files that Barry Weiss released as the sort of proxy for Elon Musk, that there were just reams of conservative accounts, only conservatives, who were censored, banned, shadow banned, suppressed. And this was done deliberately by the higher ups at Twitter to suppress dissent. Anything against the Biden administration, particularly when it came to COVID, vaccine mandates, mask mandates, concerns, or actually data, scientific data about 
the harms to children outweighing the benefits of getting COVID shots. And you had an eminent doctor, Jay Bhattacharya, who was shadow banned, we now know. Elon Musk has released the data for his account. Basically, his views were suppressed. And this is across big tech. You know, this is the most enormous assault on freedom. And it's global. It's the entire world. This is psychological warfare. This is an effort successful to control our minds, to control our thoughts, to control what information we have access to. It is the most frightening Orwellian, I don't know, tyranny is the only thing you can say. And it's happened under our noses without anyone really being aware. And that's why I think the laptop, the censorship of the New York Post, the oldest newspaper in the country, was really the first alarm bell for me and a lot of people that went off. And then shortly afterwards, Twitter and Facebook deplatformed a sitting president of the United States. You know, to have that much power, even shocked Emmanuel Macron in France. You know, this is a threat, an existential threat to democracy. And the Democrats, it's all in their favour. So, of course, they're running around doing what they normally do and projecting and accusing their opponents of their own sins. So that's why they carry on about democracy being under threat. But they're the ones who are attacking democracy using the full power of the security apparatus, the FBI, former CIA officials, of the 51 who wrote that scurrilous letter lying about our story and saying that it was Russian disinformation, having not done any research, having not looked at the material. And we now find that the former FBI top lawyer, James Baker, who got parachuted into Twitter five months before the 2020 election, you can only think as a gatekeeper to ensure that no detrimental information about Joe Biden, of which the Democrats knew there was lots, uh, ever saw the light of day. James Baker, now it turns out, we find, is actually connected to, I found, at least seven or eight of those 51 former intelligence officials. Baker himself becomes almost a key central figure, doesn't he? First in his FBI role, and then in this kind of amazing transition from being the bad guy at the FBI to becoming the bad guy at Twitter, which, first of all, he's obviously got really good connections. But He's also, isn't he, sort of just the tip of a network of people who were at the FBI who were all basically doing bad things? Yes. He was fired by Elon Musk a few days ago because Elon Musk found that, in fact, as you know, we suspected when that first tranche of Twitter files came out, that he had suppressed, James Baker had suppressed and censored and perhaps even deleted some of the information about the FBI. I mean, Elon Musk doesn't say about the FBI, but that's my feeling is about the FBI involvement in the censorship of the New York Post story. And the FBI's role is really nefarious. You look at the fact that they were covertly surveilling, spying on Rudy Giuliani's cloud for two years, starting a month after he became then President Donald Trump's personal lawyer. And right through 2020, when in August of 2020, Rudy Giuliani received an email from the computer repair shop owner, John Paul MacIsaac, who had the laptop that Hunter Biden had dropped off and never picked up. And he'd started to look at it 
he'd had it already for over a year. And he'd started to look at it and was concerned about the material on there to do particularly with Ukraine. And he saw the money that was going through. He knew that there was an impeachment of Donald Trump over Ukraine. And he was a conservative and he was concerned about the national security implications of the material on the laptop. And he was scared and he wanted to give it to the FBI, which he did in December of 2019. But they showed really no interest. It took him two months to get them to take it. And then they threatened him as they left and said, well, in our experience, nothing bad happens to people who keep their mouths shut. I'm paraphrasing, but something to that effect. And so that sort of troubled him over the ensuing months. And finally, he decided to contact Rudy Giuliani, having unsuccessfully tried to contact various members of Congress. Rudy Giuliani took the email and answered it, or his lawyer did. And so the FBI had access to that email from John Paul MacIsaac that gave chapter and verse, including screenshots of the really troubling material about the Biden family's influence peddling operation. And then they also, the FBI had access to Rudy Giuliani's communications with me in October of 2020, when I was talking to him about the New York Post, the story, you hold off, you know, the story is going to run. And it's a great story. I didn't say too much, but it was enough for them to pick up that the New York Post was about to publish. And therefore, that makes even more sinister their pre-briefings to Facebook and Twitter about this impending dump of hacked material about Hunter Biden. That was our story they were talking about. And therefore, on the morning of October 14, 2020, when our story went live at 5 a.m., it took Twitter and Facebook no time to recognise it immediately for what the FBI had warned them about. And then they brought down the hammer and they censored it. And that had an impact on the election. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. 
Can you explain shadow banning? Shadow banning, which Twitter denied doing and which they call something else, they've got some euphemism for it. And basically what it means is you don't actually ban or block the account because then the person knows. What you do is you limit their visibility of their tweets. You surreptitiously remove their followers. You stop any new followers. You take away their followers. You ensure that their tweets don't go into the trending category. You basically suppress them, hide them, hide their tweets away from seeing the light of day. And the user doesn't know. They're happily tweeting away. They might notice that their follower numbers haven't grown or that people they used to follow don't follow them anymore or that tweets that they thought would go viral go nowhere and only have a handful of likes on them. Conservatives talk about it all the time. We had a vague feeling about it, but you could never prove it. And it was clever for Twitter to do that than to outright ban someone because then banning someone, as we saw when they banned libs of TikTok, that brought a lot of support from Seth Dillon from the Babylon Bee, who also was banned by Twitter. Other people rallied around and gathered money for lawsuits and so on. So it was much easier and less trouble for Twitter just to kind of block people by proxy without letting them know just by burying their tweets. Sounds to me like what you're describing has two different big implications for the Republicans who are looking at this. One is that they need to look at Google and Facebook or Meta, as it's now called, as well as looking at Twitter and realize that the three of them collectively have a negative impact, which is almost universally pro-left and anti-right. Yeah, I totally agree. And in fact, there's a professor called Epstein who has done a lot of amazing research on this. And he's found that before the 2020 election, that Google had an enormous impact by suppressing search terms, by also putting out get out the vote messages, not to conservatives, only to people who were liberals or independents. And in fact, the Media Research Centre just last week put out a new batch of research that they did, which showed that Google had interfered in the Georgia runoff by ensuring that Warnock's sites and positive stories about him were high up in the search terms on the first page, and that Herschel Walker's material was buried never on the first page. And this was only done, not universally, but only in sort of swing areas. And the thing is that Google has enormous amounts of material on us. It's basically a surveillance platform. And in fact, all the big tech platforms are Google makes billions of dollars every year from selling our private information. And on the surface, we have all these free apps. We have Google Maps, Google Search, and we think, oh, isn't this great? They're making money out of selling our information. They know every single thing about us. They know how we vote. They know where we live. They know where we go. They know what we spend. It's a frightening situation. And I don't think we have this illusion that we live freely, but I think that we are under as oppressive a regime potentially as anything in China. I was just talking to somebody about the problem with oil, energy problems, and there's a real shortage of diesel oil in the northeast of America. And the oil companies are puzzled about why the administration will not allow ships, a waiver of a certain act to allow ships to ship it up to the northeast. 
And we were talking about it. And the oil companies are just puzzled because this would be a political problem for the Biden administration, you would think, if trucks can't travel and there's a diesel shortage. But then we thought, well, they don't really care that much about making voters angry because they've sort of got the election locked up and they've got the information dissemination locked up. So if people don't know that there's a shortage in the northeast, then the only people that will complain will be a few truckers. And then those few truckers, if they have a protest or carry on about it, they could be targeted by the DOJ as domestic terrorists. And like we saw with the Canadian truckers, then there's access to their bank accounts to shut them off. And that surveillance and control by the tech oligopolies already exists and they are in bed with the Biden administration. Well, I mean, left-wing governments everywhere across the world. This is the big challenge for the Republicans. And I know Ted Cruz is on top of the Google problem, but even he has said that it's a really devilish problem to fix. How do you control them? I mean, you can break up their power. I guess that's the start, but it's going to have to take the best brains in the Republican Party to do this, and you're not going to get any help from the Democrats. If you look at the FEC reports, in 2020, 98.7% of Twitter employees donated to Democrats. In 2022, it was 99.73%. Netflix, Airbnb, Apple, Lyft, Google, Salesforce, Facebook, Tesla, eBay. You know, you go down the line, I mean, the most, Uber has 18.5% of employee donations to midterm candidates were to Republicans. That's the most conservative company. All these tech companies are overwhelmingly staffed by left-wing activists. When you look specifically at how Twitter was operating, Jack Dorsey, who was then the CEO, went to the Congress and made a series of explicit assertions that it now looks were either a sign he didn't know what was going on or just plain lies, and you don't quite know which it is, because they claim that the decision to suppress the New York Post story was, quote, made at the highest levels of the company, but without the knowledge of the CEO. Now, how can it be the highest levels of the company if the CEO doesn't know about it? Yeah. And look, Jack Dorsey hired these activists. He must have been on board with what they were doing. And I think he has to be held accountable for misleading Congress. He should have made sure he knew what was going on before he went to testify. But as you saw from his demeanour, he treated it in a very casual fashion. He did it by Zoom. He shrugged his shoulders and acted zen. I think the kid gloves that have been applied to these people need to be taken off. And he should be held in contempt of Congress and punished to the full extent of the law for lying to Congress. And as John Brennan and James Clapper should have been, it's extraordinary. And as Christopher Ray should be, it's extraordinary that these people are supposed to be having oversight and being accountable and telling the truth. And they don't. And nothing ever is done. And so that just dilutes the power of the people. It would be, I think, helpful for the Congress to bring in the 51 intelligence officers who signed the letter because the letter was a lie. And we're just interested to have them come in and say, now that you know it's a lie, do you apologize for signing it? Why did you sign it? Did you have any idea? Did you do any due diligence at all? 
Well, we know they didn't, but what I want to know is who organised it? Who orchestrated it? Did you communicate with the Biden campaign? Adam Schiff, the chairman of the House Intel Committee, who was echoing that same lie across CNN and MSNBC and being amplified by Google and Twitter, whereas John Ratcliffe, the DNI, was saying, no, no, this is not Russian disinformation and you hardly ever saw his denials because they were suppressed. Those 51 Intel officials would be really interesting to haul before Congress and forced to explain themselves under oath. They include five former CIA directors or acting directors. Certainly John Brennan's been proven to have lied before, as James Clapper did. I don't know if anything can be done about it, but we know that most of them still have their security clearances. You know, they're advising the government. These people are not trustworthy. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family vdw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus I was frankly astonished that the rot was as deep as it is. The scale of sort of collective agreement that anything you do to stop Trump is legitimate and therefore the moral behavior, it doesn't matter how immoral you are, the goal is so moral, it erases whatever lie, whatever manipulation, whatever unconstitutional act you undertake. Isn't it sort of astonishing how deep and how widespread that was? Yeah, it's frightening. But don't you think that certainly the power and the ability to do what they did existed, that they had been assiduously building up these networks before Trump came on the scene so they were ready to go? The FBI plots to undermine Trump even before he won the election, to nobble the election and then to cripple his administration. Those people were already in place, those political actors. And I've asked former FBI 
top people who are aghast about what's happened to their beloved Bureau. And they say the rot began a long time ago and really accelerated during the Obama administration. I think if you go back and you look at the degree to which, for example, Scooter Libby, who was a totally innocent man, was framed by a government prosecutor in a totally false way. Now you're talking about the middle of the Bush administration. So probably the rot began sometime in the Clinton years and just accelerated. And then, of course, I think the Obama people were quite deliberate about it, as they were at the Pentagon. I mean, they had a model they wanted to implement, and they were pretty ruthless in pursuing it. You know, and in terms of the cost of some of this, the Republican National Committee chairwoman said to me that the last four days of the month, Google did not deliver Republican fundraising emails. And my point to them was, well, then why don't you sue that that's an FEC violation? They're making, in effect, a contribution to the Democratic Party. Republicans are just not aggressive enough. They don't realize none of these people are playing a fair game. None of these people are playing by the rules. And unless you're prepared to be as tough as they are, they're just going to gradually run over you. Absolutely. And, you know, even if you think that your FEC complaint will go nowhere, it will still elicit very important information. That's how we know that Yoel Roth made that sworn declaration in Twitter's defence to the FEC against a complaint by a small group called, I think, the Tea Party Foundation or Tea Party Patriots Group, something like that. I'd never heard of them. But they made this FEC complaint that basically the censorship of the New York Post was a donation in kind that wasn't declared by the Democrats. And they lost their complaint was dismissed by the FEC, but along the way they got this sworn statement by Yoel Roth, head of site integrity at Twitter, who then divulged, because he was trying to get Twitter off the hook, that it was the FBI that coerced them to censor the New York Post because the FBI told them to look out for this Hunter Biden hacked material in October. So it's useful. You have to do it. And I look at what the the dark money groups, three of them that I know of that have been already set up. David Brock is running one of them from Media Matters, the old Clinton guy. These are serious, hardcore, ruthless people with a lot of money. And they are setting up, as we speak, opposition research against the Republican House members who will be heading up the committees. It'll be vile lies about Jim Jordan and James Comer and whoever else is going to be effective. And they will then leak that to an unquestioning New York Times, Washington Post and so on. I'm fully prepared for attacks. This is going to be a blitzkrieg. And the Republicans, I hope, are going to fight fire with fire. There are things that they can do. And I'm sure that there are people and money that they can call on to do it. But they can't just rest on their laurels and think that they're just going to conduct, you know, an investigation and everything is going to work in a systematic way. No, this is full-scale war, and I hope they're prepared for it. I think that's exactly right, and I think, frankly, the Republicans have been far too soft and far too appeasement-oriented and reasonable in dealing with people who want to destroy them. Why is that? I think it's the culture. I think the party culture... Because they grew up in a belief in sort of the World War II good America, because there's this perennial effort to try to draw people back into reasonableness, surely they can't mean that. Oh, yes, they do. If you come out of a semi-Marxist 
background of contempt for bourgeois behaviors, lying is perfectly reasonable. I mean, it's at the heart of all of the training and revelry for radicals and rules for radicals. That of course you lie to your enemies. It's what Lenin was all about. Reasonable people have to learn to be functionally unreasonable if they're in a fight with people who want to destroy them. And we've done this at time. We did this in the Civil War. We did this in World War II. I mean, we know how to do it. But in a free society, when you just want to take your kids to soccer and have a nice afternoon and enjoy each other and go to a restaurant where people are pleasant, it is a huge psychological break to realize that you're in the fight of your life. And I think that's a big thing. One last thing before I let you go, and I'm really grateful you give us this much time knowing how much you have going on. How do you assess or put in context Elon Musk's role as a citizen in opening up the whole Twitter thing? Well, it's incredibly important. I have great admiration for his doing as much as he has so far. I do, though, suspect that if he really has a smoking gun in there, which I suspect there is when it comes to the FBI intervention in the 2020 election, particularly over the laptop. I think that there is material at Twitter that would be really explosive. And you're seeing this concerted threats by the Biden administration, by Wall Street, by their friends in the EU against Elon Musk and his companies. And, you know, SpaceX and Tesla are exposed to Wall Street. They're vulnerable, vulnerable to interventions by the Biden administration. We've had Janet Yellen threaten him. We've had the White House threaten him from the podium. We've had Joe Biden himself, the very first press conference he gave after the midterms, he threatened Elon Musk with sticking the DOJ onto him for his Twitter purchase. So I think that it would only make sense, and I don't blame Elon Musk if this is what he's doing, and this is a pure guess, but I think that he's probably holding on to the mother of all bombs as insurance against these threats because if they know that he's got it, then they will leave him alone as long as he doesn't release it. And he's setting in place as a kind of a beta test over the last week with these two Twitter file dumps. He's figured out who to give them to, two independent journalists, Matt Taibbi, and now Barry Weiss, who she has a team of journalists with her, ex-New York Times. They're both liberals. So I guess it means there's more likelihood that people on the other side of the aisle will listen to them. And so he's got his information channels worked out and he's demonstrated to his enemies in now the administration and Wall Street, etc. I can release this big bomb if you push me too far. And so I think it'll be a bit of a stalemate and he'll be able to preserve his companies because what he's done is very brave, but he hasn't quite gone that last step. What he's given us is really useful and we can add it to the jigsaw puzzle and keep working on it. But I think that there is more inside Twitter that would really, really threaten this entire censorship regime across big tech. It's going to be an amazing period to watch. And I think between the Republican Congress or the Republican House anyway, and the continued effort of senators like Chuck Grassley, you're going to continue to see pressure being brought to bear. And of course, the reporting you're doing, which gets wider and wider coverage, and I think you and the New York Post have gained an enormous amount of credibility and respect in the way you've approached it. I want to thank you for joining me. I hope six months or a year from now, 
we can do this again and you can continue to keep us informed of what's going on because you have done an amazing job. And I do want to remind everyone that we will have a link to Laptop from Hell on our show page so that people can buy it. Miranda, I want to thank you for joining me on Newt's World. Thank you so much, Newt. Great to talk to you. Thank you to my guest, Miranda Devine. You can get a link to her columns in the New York Post on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newt's World is produced by Gingrich 360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Garnsey Sloan. Our producer is Rebecca Howell. And our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcasts and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. Right now, listeners of Newt's World can sign up for my three free weekly columns at Gingrich360.com newsletter. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Work. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo. Play. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.